Yo, it's Joey Spence in the past with no answers. Just want to let you guys know that there is not going to be any news coming out about me anytime soon that involves sexual misconduct, corruption, abuse of power. We call it moral failure amongst pastors. Nothing is going to be coming out about me. All right. No big splashes online. If I was doing something along those lines and it came out, it wouldn't be a big splash. It'd be more like if you take your foot and you stomp on a mud puddle that's already starting to go away, trickle into like a ditch. It's barely there. You stomp on it. You're going to get a little bit of water kicking up, but not a whole lot. So you all know that I typically release episodes on Mondays. Next Monday, I talk to... A former professional athlete, motivational speaker, and most importantly, a family member, actually the son of a woman whose life was taken in the unfortunately infamous Charleston 9 shooting that happened almost five years ago. And so talking to him next Monday, but there's sometimes, man, I just can't help it. I got to say something. I got to put something out, and it's not because I believe the world needs to hear what knucklehead Joey Svensson thinks about things. It's just I want to talk about it. And so all this stuff about Ravi Zacharias coming out, and I was like, oh, my gosh. So I got two friends together, Ellen Morrow and Tony Jones. Both of them have been on this podcast before, Ellen, many times to talk about corruption and how in the world we get to places where – we see a guy like Ravi Zacharias that's just doing the most atrocious things behind the scenes, and yet we see him as like a leader in our faith, the one that represents sound theology and doctrine. And it's crazy because sometimes my fundamentalist impulses, they sneak up on me, and with all of my expression of faith change and things that I'm wondering about and that legalistic tendency comes up and it's just like, Joey, you may be misleading people from sound theology and sound doctrine. And this weekend when I heard what I heard about Ravi, I was just like, you know, I will never worry ever again about me being expressive about questions that I have and faith struggles that I have. You know, I believe in Jesus. I believe in a Christocentric universe. I am a Christian. I do confess the name of Jesus, and I am never going to worry about any sort of liability I have with expressing questions that I have, because here's a guy who we lean on for solid, apologetical, doctrinally sound theology, and he's doing this mess? I mean, golly, what in the hell is going on out here? So I just wanted to share, I mean, you, you you do realize like the Bible talks about a lot of different things that you shouldn't do and hypocrisy is on top of the list. It's even specified if you claim to be something and you're constantly doing something else. And But it, it, for the record, we're all hypocrites. We all do things that we don't agree with. But the hypocrisy that's being talked about in the Bible is when you say that you don't do any of this and you are the standard of faith and you project yourself as something and someone that everyone needs to adhere to and ascribe to and try to emulate all along doing crazy stuff behind the scenes. I want to say, I don't, 
I don't hate any of these people. I think it's honestly a, a, a toxic sign of celebrity pastor and celebrity ministry. I don't hate these guys. I I, I pity them uh, out of out of a heart of love. But man, it really does make me think. Like just Paul's words of "No one is righteous," yet we always want our leaders to be the righteous ones. I think about the Good Samaritan and how Jesus said. This guy was in the right. His beliefs weren't all right. He didn't believe in the same things that we all believe in. But the Samaritan, the dude that was seen as scum, he was in the right. Or how about that parable that basically says if you tell somebody you're going to do something, but you don't do it, are you better than the person that says, I'm not going to do it, and then does it? It's like, man, actions really do mean something. There really is something to following Jesus by action. So I am a little, obviously you can tell, a little bit on edge, but you know, I'm learning that this is unfortunately the norm and uh, God help us all. And with a smile on my face, I'm happy that Jesus is our example, and I'm happy to know a lot of people who are trying their damnness to do things the right way and to avoid all of this sort of things, all these sort of pitfalls. So guys, check out the show notes quickly to check in on our Donor C opportunity. We are trying to save the life of a 13-year-old girl and would love your help in that. If you become a patron to this podcast, you actually will be giving half of your contributions to our monthly donor seat opportunity. And if you're a current patron, your increase will go straight to patron. Unless, you know, if you want to increase it 50 and split it up 25 and 25, by all means, whatever, just reach out to me and let me know. But I love that we get to do this as a listenership, helping people in in crazy situations around the country. So love you guys. Enjoy this conversation with Ellen Morrow and Tony Jones. Ellen, Tony, and I unfortunately have a mutual friend that I think you probably know in, in your Mars Hill history, Mark Driscoll's affiliation with Darren Patrick. So Tony and I both knew Darren Patrick, who took his life. But before that, I had been looking for someone who could represent like, I'm still in the Christian faith, but I don't believe in demons because I wanted to do a demon debate because it was that's new material for me. In the last two years, I realized, whoa, some Christians don't believe in demons. So I Googled pastor who doesn't believe in demons and bam, homeboy Tony Jones was Why a Why the top was a search hit. result on that? <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't it wasn't a great response on Google. I think I had to dig still a little bit, but it's funny because oh, we were just laughing about all the books that Tony writes, his podcast. You know like, how many pastors so many good don't believe in demons? Uh, a yeah. lot of pastors yeah. don't believe in demons. The fact that I would come up and also, man, since Darren died and and I published my podcast interview with him, yeah, I have definitely heard from some former Mars Hill people. We're like, let me let me tell you a story. Yeah, and then we'll get on the phone, and they'll just be like, 
let me tell you what it was really like. I'm like, I think I know what it was really right. like. And then they'll still tell me something that'll just like curl up my socks. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be stories coming out for yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. Christianity, I actually, today, Christianity Today has a podcast coming out about Driscoll. Really? It's like a limited really? series, kind of like a serial type podcast with wow. highly produced. I They interviewed me for it um, and just asked me like very specifically about that emergent time frame, wow. like 98 through 01 and how Driscoll what he was like in the group and then why he left. And yeah. uh, it's supposed to come out, you know, they were, they said January, but they're still producing it. Yeah. So they haven't released it yet, but it'll be soon. Yeah. So, so when I was with bad Christian podcast, we had some preliminary plans of doing the same thing. A Mark Driscoll series. Cause both of those guys had involvement at, at Mars Hill for a while. And so we reached out and we got a huge response. I actually had a parent reach out to me. We talked on the mm-hmm. phone and basically told me how worried he was about his, I think it was, well, I'll, I'll leave it there. He's worried about a family member who's involved with Mark Driscoll's current church oh, and geez. and basically Driscoll had apparently made sure that that f- those family dynamics were were broken because of this guy not being a huge Driscoll fan it's just golly it's it's uh it's tough you know I, I my, my big thing always is you know for all these church leaders who give Mark Driscoll the time of day it's like why don't you talk to his hundreds of church leaders and elders who all left before him and ask them what they think. It's like, good gosh, is that just not a simple, decent formula? Like I just, oh my gosh, I, don't get me started. Well, actually, get these me are, started because that's what we're going to these, <laughs> these are rhetorical questions you're asking, right? You don't actually think that, <laughs> well, that people for, have an answer to those. For right. somebody who went to that church for... 11 years. Um, I wish that one of the hundreds of, you know, fill in the blank pastors had had the balls to say, um, this is why I'm leaving. And not, yeah. I mean, I know there was like a blog here and there, but I mean, really make a stink out of it. I'm not so sure if that didn't happen. And so just, it just might for- have, but listen, when you were a 20 year old, yeah. I just feel like, because yeah. I wasn't 20, maybe 20, yeah, 2022 or something like that. Yeah. We didn't, we, there were different communities within the church and there yeah. was just no way in hell that the young, like the cool chunk of the church where. Right. Like you, Mark like you. Was we get really it, we making, get it. You were cool. We yeah. get it. We get it. We called ourselves the smokers because we were the only people that smoked oh at church <laughs> and Mark made fun of us all the time. But we had no idea what was going on. Right. And then and our only network were people that were in music and yep. they saw a completely different world. So wait, 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 wait. Did you play the didgeridoo on those albums? No, no. <laughs> come on. Come on. No, I'm so I'm so happy to say I did not participate. Oh, now here's what's funny, you guys. I don't know if you know this. Do you, does either of you watch Letter Kenny on Hulu? No, it's a, it's a show out of Canada. It's a funny show, but, um, there's, uh, a 
pastor, there's a youth pastor in, in the show who makes occasional appearances and he's like very clearly gay, but he's trying to convince everybody he's straight. Yeah. And he plays the didgeridoo, which <laughs> always makes does. me laugh because Mars Hill had a didgeridoo on that Romans eight song. That was like probably the biggest hit from the, from the Mars Hill band. Well, uh, there was a didgeridoo in that song. <laughs> some of those musicians, uh, have a hard time saying they ever played worship at Mars Hill because they're some of the best musicians. I believe it. I mean, it's rough. That music was awesome. I mean, one of them just had the best record uh, on KEXP of the year. Is that Kings? Wow. Kings? I'm not going to say. Because I don't don't (laughs) think they would want want to relive that when they're trying to sell a record right now. Sure thing. Sure thing. Yeah. And, you know, just so I don't come across as just this smart guy pointing fingers, I was in it. Oh, wait, wait. In it. Trust me, dude. With that accent, you're never going to come across as a smart guy on a podcast. You see this finger? You can see it, right? Also, Tony, do you have a little bit of an accent? Minnesotan, maybe. There it yeah. is. You said Midwest. Canada, and I was just like, "Bing, bing." I'm real close. I can, I, I can see Canada from my oh, backyard. Yeah. So, are, you're being serious, not liter- you're not figuratively. I, I'm not. I cannot literally see it. Okay. Well, the no. reason why I say that is because one time I was sitting in my father-in-law's backyard, and he said, "See over there in those trees, that's Michigan." And I was like, "Like, not really, just in that direction." He said, "No, those trees are Michigan." So that's why I asked because I, I've, I've had someone say that to me. But, but what I wanted to say is just. I I was in it hook line and sinker. I listened to all of that guy's stuff. I took uh, I took people in our church through his marriage teaching series. When I lived in Seattle, we attended, and I mean it just and and I represented tens of thousands of people all over the world. Where this guy was our man. He was my man. That's the dude. That's, I mean, I actually, there was a, a couple that uh, were, were just got married and she happened to be my wife's best friend and we sent them a freaking marriage series from Mars Hill for them to listen to. Are you talking like, about real marriage? Uh, it was the it was the one before that had like pink bunnies or something. It was the garden oh. sing, song mm-hmm. of Solomon sort of thing. But anyway, yeah. uh, Tony, you asked how I knew Ellen. So Ellen was co-host of a podcast. Was it the Depolarized one or yeah, Depolarized mm-hmm. with with Dan Coke and rub shoulders with Dan Coke in my bad Christian days. And I really ended up liking Ellen a lot. And so I just, I bring her on this show all the time. So that's how we know each other. So I wanted to tell y'all both real quick though, just, I think somewhat of a funny story is I, I took, I went to Hooters for the first time and I brought Priscilla with me. Just recently. When did you take her to Hooters? Just recently? Valentine's day. This Valentine's Day. You're an idiot. <laughs> okay, context. Context. So we were in Charlotte. We we actually traveled around North Carolina for the weekend, just the two of us. And so context is I booked a really, really cool burger joint, top 10 restaurants in Charlotte for that night. I'm a carb-free kind of guy. And so as we were exploring Charlotte, I was like, I really want chicken wings. I really want chicken wings. And I'm serious. I've heard so many people say, I go to Hooters for the chicken wings. And I was like, there's a Hooters. I've always wanted to see if their chicken wings are good. Let's go. Neither of us had a problem. I am very bothered still by my visit. It it felt archaic. So let me tell you, we go up to the host, very sweet, 
uh, hospitable young lady, and she has like a jacket over her, and she's just like, it's so freezing cold in this restaurant. And Priscilla, who's cold nature, said it really is, and she's just like, gosh, I just I wish they would turn the heat up. Purpose. So, so basically. When she started, when she went to take us to our table, I could tell she had to do this. So she literally starts walking towards and she takes the jacket off like a big old blanket jacket, puts it on her chair. And next thing I know, she, I mean, for me, it passes as a bathing suit. Like she's walking us to our table and I know, I know, I, I didn't ask anybody, but I guarantee you that's the rules. You can't walk somebody to the table with a big old jacket. It's Hooters for crying out loud. And then we're sitting there. And it's freezing cold in the restaurant. That that woman who sat us was also our server, just the sweetest girl. And she kept saying how cold it was. And Priscilla and I are just looking at each other like, this is archaic. It feels wrong. It feels super messed up. Like I'm almost choking up a little bit because I just like it. What did you so, think? It, what would you? Why did you go to Hooters? Well, for what did you think wings, was going to happen? Oh. I just I just underestimated how hard it hit me. And and I think the the big question that I have is I, I don't feel like you can just blame Hooters. I think that there's some ownership in those young ladies who go there to work. Like to, for me it's like it's a cyclical deal. They went there to apply for a job, and the the owners of Hooters, the creators of Hooters, are the ones that kind of set that precedent. But it seems just to be there's no you can't point a finger at one group, the servers or the owners. But it just it really bothered me. But I, I don't know what you guys think as far as when y'all think of that sort of situation. Do y'all think, man, Hooters is so crummy? That's so messed up that they treat women that way, or do you think? What is up with these women who would even go and work there in the first place? And it reminds me of a conversation I had on this podcast about the Super Bowl show two Super Bowls ago, where I I literally was questioning. I understand women's freedom and the the beauty of the body and and celebration of femininity, but I also don't understand how that halftime show did anything for the cause of stopping sexualizing and objectifying women and it's so crazy yes so crazy so many people are just like oh beautiful you know women are finally proud of their bodies and all that stuff and i'm like i get it that's fine but how do you then turn around and say stop objectifying us and and i'll I'll be the first one to admit i don't have an answer to that i'm a dude what the hell do i know but that that does confuse me a lot of it joey remember on that episode we talked about how because i'm with you i I think it it's just like a disgrace to women because um, we work so hard to um, be seen as like smart and valuable and all this. And then we yeah. also say that that's really powerful, but um, I think we talked about how it's, it's taking the power right? kind right. of an exchange of power. Yep. So instead of the power being at the, the gawkers um, and the men, the users. Um, it's a way that some women see as powerful because they're in control yeah. of what they give and yeah. show. Yeah. So they're taking the power. So I think that's kind of where we landed on that. Yeah. 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 I get that. I get that. Have you ever been to a Hooters, Tony? Yeah. Once years ago, there yeah. was one in the mall of America. Yeah. Uh, 
The wings were good. I ain't gonna lie. They it was worth. Did you, I mean, Tony, Tony did you take your wife to the Hooters though on a date <laughs> for Valentine's me? Day? Oh my God, no. My <laughs> wife would never go into Hooters, nor would I go into one now. I really need to ask Joey, Priscilla man, about this. Why didn't you get up and walk out? Like, why did you? You're also now part part of the problem because you bought their freaking food. And I, I, I get it. And you at the kept same, that restaurant in business. Right. I get that. And also, and this is, I, you know, it, and, and maybe this is me patting myself on the back saying, Joey, you're a really good guy. I don't think so. But I really take, like, I, I just connect with, I feel like, and it's probably one side. I just feel like I connect with people. And I felt really bad for this woman. I was just like, we are going to really talk to this girl a lot and tip her very well. Like I felt like that was the only person that I cared about is the woman serving us and we're going to tip her well. I mean, I almost feel like, you know, I I've heard a long time ago of some Christian organizations sending women into strip clubs to minister to the strippers, to get them off Gosh, of that whole yeah. church. Remember yeah. those guys? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm friends with Craig. Yep. Yep. For sure. Wow. But yeah, yeah. That's uh, But so the, what I really wanted to get deep into is obviously pastors and stuff. And obviously as of recent, the Ravi Zachariah stuff. And I see this situation very similarly from the standpoint of we can get really mad at Ravi and Bill Hybels and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And then forget about the people who wanted that person in that position in the first place, who fed the machine because they wanted that person. Not only did they want that person in that position, they also wanted that person to be perfect. And they wanted that person to be above reproach. That's my pastor. He's awesome. He doesn't mess up. He's really good. So I see this also in the same way that it's a jacked up situation for everyone involved. I don't I don't know if it's a chicken and the egg sort of situation, like who's initially to blame. I think you could probably make a really good case for the narcissistic leader who sways people to follow him in that regard. I think you could also make a case for why are Christians so stupid? Why do you why do you go after someone who is obviously doesn't have the heart in the right place? But before we get into this conversation, I'll, I'll just read some things that, that you guys are fully aware of. But for our listeners' sake, Ravi Zacharias died within the year, I'm pretty sure. There were some things coming out. Uh, that people have compared this guy to Billy Graham, C.S. Lewis. I mean, he, he's, he's one of our guys, you know what I'm saying? Rape allegations from more than a dozen massage therapists and the discovery of about 200 photos of young women on his phone, some of them nude selfies. Uh, five massage therapists reported that he touched or rubbed them inappropriately. Four said he would touch his own genitals and ask them to touch him. Eight said he would either start the massage completely nude or remove the draping sheets during the treatment. We have not even scratched the service surface. One of them saw him as, as their father figure after he arranged for his ministry to provide her with financial support. He demanded sex. According to the report, Mr. Zacharias, it says, warned her and this is uh, this is like newsweek christian a very reputable source i'm not reading some crazy weird blog it says warned her not to ever speak out against him or she would be responsible for the millions of souls whose whose salvation would be lost if his reputation was damaged so basically i just had sex with you now if you tell anybody you're gonna mess up god's work that i've been doing 
The report also reveals that he owned two apartments in Bangkok, one in which he spent 256 days between 2010-2014, and one of his massage therapists stayed in the other apartment. Lastly, at least last thing I'll say, not the last thing, arrange for the ministry to provide. So uh, Ravi Zacharias, a woman accused him of rape, said that after he arranged for the ministry to provide her with financial support, he required sex uh, from her, then made her pray with him. So we just had sex. Pray with me to thank God for the opportunity they both received. This woman told investigators that Zacharias called her his reward for living a life of service to God and warned her also not to ever speak out against him or she would be responsible for the millions of souls whose salvation would be lost if his reputation was damaged. This is, uh, in my opinion, and maybe I haven't heard enough, this is a whole new ballgame of evil, corrupt, sadistic, uh, uh, it's it's just it's appalling. It makes my skin crawl, and I, I don't know. I I guess where I would like to start is I'll just ask you, Tony, when you hear this sort of stuff because you're fully aware of this sort of culture. Do you think why are people so stupid to follow someone like this who obviously heart's not in the right place? It seems obvious, or do you look at Ravi and just? this all on him or does that question even matter uh i'm not unlike you i guess i'm not the least bit surprised by it right, right. really every time it happens uh I, i'm not at all surprised by i'm not it. anymore I <laughs> yeah i mean i've heard so many stories of evangelical leaders who haven't been outed about what complete assholes they are right how they treat other people um I think, you know, we, we've got so much evidence that the human mind is capable of compartmentalizing things. Yeah. And, you know, I remember a lot of talk around the time that Bill Clinton got busted with Monica Lewinsky that he, um, I, I remember because I was a young Christian leader during that time and, you know, Emergent was kind of just getting rolling and we were talking a lot about authenticity and we, we always were, we were accusing the, the boomers of um, not living holistic lives. You know, we talked a lot about holistic life. We talked, we were reading a lot of like holistic philosophy and stuff like that at the time. Um, You'll see that in like um, Rob Bell went down the the path with Ken Wilber, like with that kind of integrative spiral dynamics philosophy and psychology, which is all about um, not compartmentalizing your life, like living everything all together, right? But I remember having these conversations about Bill Clinton that he was in his own mind he was able to be a great president, but he was also able to cheat on his wife. Like those two things didn't overlap at all. And how, you know, distressing that was for us. And we were going to live, you know, authentic, holistic lives that weren't like that. And um, I mean, I could go deeper down that rabbit trail till we get to like being in New York and um, 
Doug Paget and Chris C and Mark Driscoll on juice fasts and getting caffeine enemas because they were trying to cleanse themselves in these holistic ways. Like that's, you know, these were the kinds of conversations we were having. I, I mean, I think there's some other stuff too, like about Ravi Zacharias. I, I, and, and we are also going to talk about Dave Ramsey. And I think there's some similarities between the two, but when it comes to Ravi Zacharias, there's other stuff going on in the evangelical subculture. And that is that evangelicals are enamored of smart foreign people. Okay. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Like it's the same reason I never understood it. I never understood why everybody thought Oz Guinness was so brilliant. And I would read his stuff and be like, this is not very good stuff. It's like, he's not a good writer. He's not a good thinker, but, oh, he has a British accent. And, you know, Ivy uh, InterVarsity Press keeps publishing these books on apologetics. The same with Ravi Zacharias. Like, he seemed smart and he had this, this kind of mystique of being a foreigner who came into our culture and was able to speak, you know, with, with authority. And I... First of all, apologetics is ridiculous. Okay, the whole idea of apologetics is ridiculous. Agreed. But I think that that's a part of the mystique and aura of Ravi Zacharias was his kind of his intellectual foreigner, which honestly, back to like Fr- Frank Schaefer, evangelicals have been um, have been really drawn to pseudo intellectuals. Yep. Okay, and and Ravi Zacharias was a premier example of a pseudo intellectual he was not a true intellectual he was a pseudo intellectual and uh you know there was a book written geez 30 years ago now or 40 years ago now by mark knoll called the scandal of the evangelical mind and his thesis in that book as a historian of evangelicalism is the scandal of the evangelical mind is that there is no evangelical mind. <laughs> there is no actual authentic intellectual movement within evangelicalism. As hard as Christianity today has tried to do that, I mean, back in the day there was back in the day when I was coming up, there was books and culture, there was uh regeneration quarterly, you know, there were people like Andy Crouch, there were people who were attempting to start a movement of, of evangelical intellectualism. But I think now we look on the, across the landscape at Robert Jeffress and Franklin Graham and whatever and just be like, if yeah. that, that movement never got traction and now it's completely dead. Yeah. I, I some, just for the record, I wonder if I even am a pseudo intellect. I'm not sure if I'm even that. I like, don't think so, Joe. Yeah, thank you, Ellen. Thank you for <laughs> confirming that on air. I appreciate it. That's that's when you say, "Oh no, kind of, Joey." I mean, maybe. Oh yeah, but we talked about honesty that other episode. Hey, let me ask you this, Ellen. Do you think <clears throat> someone like Mark Driscoll will just l- will lump all these bad guys together? They're all the oh, same. Well, let's just They're, be fair. I'm kidding. There I'm is kidding. kind of a sexual assault line that wasn't I'm crossed, kidding. as yeah, far yeah. as we know. But when you when you world. when you think of these guys, do you think that most of them this is speculation there's no way we can know this do you think most of them they were in it for the right reasons they said you know what i really do believe this stuff i do believe that people really need this stuff i really want to dedicate my whole life to it next thing you know a chosen few of them cross this line into celebrity status where they can go anywhere 
have anything, take advantage of anybody. They can do whatever they want, and they don't know how to handle it. Do you think that's the norm, or do you think sadistic people are attracted to the pastoral position? <laughs> well, I think both, but I think it's really, really rare to have a, someone enter into ministry with evil intent. I think yeah. that's a really long bridge to cross. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I really have felt always that Mark um, really had good intentions, but he was so young and he had no accountability and um, he just, I, at one point he said it himself um, that he should not have been a pastor when he became a pastor. Yeah. I heard him say that. Wasn't that kind of a nice taste of humility that actually wasn't there? Yeah, unless um, it was very calculated. <laughs> exactly. So it's hard to know, but and it doesn't matter. To me, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Either way, because um, in in my experience, uh, I'm so grateful that God is is good because He can even use these guys who maybe got into ministry with bad intent. Um, and God is, I believe, God's so good that he can still speak through these pieces of shit um, to change some of our lives. I mean, I really, I'm a recovering pastor's kid, like I've said, and I heard the gospel clearly for the first time at Mars Hill. And you can't, can't deny that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and going into this conversation, I, I literally thought about this terminology that we use. And I'm not talking about biblical people. I'm talking about current people that we say, oh, uh, he's definitely a leader in the faith. This person's leader in the faith. She's a leader in the faith. What does that even mean anymore? Because all of these people who we would have put in that category of a leader in the faith, there are so many of them. It's just like, oh my gosh. And I, I, I don't want to use that word anymore. I don't tip I don't really like I don't really like the word a, a good Christian guy or a good Christian gal. I think that kind of is contrary to what we stand on in the first place. And at the same time, I also, I feel, I feel, this is me and I'm owning this. I feel like a lot of my time in Bad Christian, I started to ignore the fact that there is also good in people. Like I, I started to think along the lines, everybody's effed, everybody's bad, everybody, you know, and, and I, I agree that's true but not to the omission of, you know what? People are also, you know, have capacity for, for good. But, um, I, I, I really, I'm at a loss and I'm, I am now with you, Tony, that this, this is no, no surprise. And it took me a long ways to get here. And now I'm just not ever going to be surprised. I asked, and I, you, you've had a little bit of interaction with pastor Greg and I actually asked him, I said, well, you, you, go on the record and, and say something. And he's a man of simple words. And he texted me. He said, I personally know many pastors who are legit trying to do it right. Because I asked him, I said, are, is there a bunch of guys out there trying to do it right? And he says, I know many of them that are sincerely trying to do it right. And I, and, and here's the thing is I know so many people say this, well, my pastor, this, and my pastor, that, and I'm going to do that too. But pastor Greg he's he's a different sort of person than the many pastors that I've been encountered to as far as you can tell they want to be seen in a certain light and they want to speak on you know they want to speak to the masses and and they're up here and everybody else is down here and pastor Greg has worked very extremely hard to reject that notion of pastor has rejected he's probably the the least paid 
uh, mega church founder. Uh, so I asked him when all that stuff happened with Bill Hybels at Willow Creek, I said, Pastor Greg, are you as just surprised about Bill Hybels as I would be if I found this stuff out about you? Just for just and he said on. yes. Bill Bill had an affair, correct? Bill Hybels had been no, no. go for lingering, it. Tony. Lingering hugs. <laughs> Oh, okay. he had ling- Ellen, he had lingering hugs. <laughs> like Biden hugs. Yeah, except it's one of those deals where y- what, what? Wait, are you kidding? Because it was more than that. I mean, it was, it was more than that, but it was not like he, he, he crossed lines. He crossed in, impropriety lines, but he didn't like, as he didn't like have a, an affair. He didn't go all Ravi on anybody. No, he didn't go all Ravi on anybody as far as we know. Okay. As far I just, as it, I think but, I was but getting fondling, mixed up with fondling him women that he was not married to for sure. And yeah, and, and, and like having them. In, to, I mean, look, they're, they're, yeah, like having them to his hotel room right. when they were on a mission trip with a oh, bottle of wine. That's right. inappropriate. Yeah. Right. Oh, but yeah. yeah he then, didn't go Ravi. Just like, like go you Ravi. don't have, I, I mean, here's what I would say as a man you don't have those encounters with women that you get caught for without there being other stuff that went further than just yeah. sharing a bottle of wine that you didn't get caught for. But El- I think Ellen, you make a really good point that I, I want to double down on. And that's that um, there is a, I mean, it's, it's, I think we've all disabused ourselves of that silly thing. We were taught growing up as evangelicals that all sins are the same. <laughs> you realize they're right. not all the same. Right. And there is a line crossed of like sexual assault is uh you know that is th- that's a line that obviously Ravi Zacharias crossed. We don't know if Bill Hybels crossed it. It doesn't. You know he wasn't ever accused of assault. He was a- accused of poor boundaries and things like that. And I think you know about Dave Ramsey. This is a- the article. You know it's been interesting. It's been an interesting month in evangelicalism in early 2021 mm-hmm. because you know all the talk in 2020 was about Franklin Graham and the and Trump and Paula White and most of us are like those guys don't represent evangelicals. Like they actually represent such a weird little niche of right look at ravi ravi's the one you look at yeah look at ravi look at hillsong and carl lenz like (laughs) look at look at dave ramsey you know right more i don't know who would have said look at dave ramsey but (laughs) well i mean my gosh thousands tens of thousands of churches that have run financial peace university yeah nine week classes different than looking at him and thinking he's a great guy like he's no, a, yeah, but he's an evangelical leader in a oh, way that people. He's a leader like, in the faith. Yeah, like Franklin Graham's kind of a fringy fellow, but like Carl Lenz isn't. He's the pastor of a huge Hillsong church with tens of thousands of members, and Dave Ramsey, it, you know, it, it has this national radio show, and Ravi Zacharias is like a best-selling author who's got this incredible legacy of apologetics. And those, all three of those have just been destroyed by, by like great journalism Thank God. recently. And what I saw, interestingly, I mean, okay, so they, they kind of fall into different categories a little bit because Ravi Zacharias was obviously um, assaulting women and, and then using his position of power over them to silence them. Carl Lenz was 
cheating on his wife. And Dave Ramsey is just a bully. I mean, you re- if you time. read the article by um, Re- Religion News Service, which kudos to them for doing this because they got a lot of pushback and like legal threats and stuff like that from Dave Ramsey's. Uh, That's when you uh, know company. you're doing something right. Yeah. He just, I read that article, honestly, and I thought a lot about Driscoll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It yep. sounded a lot like Driscoll. Like, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm just a lot alike. They're a lot alike. They're just bullies. They're bullies. Mm -hmm. And they're so freaking charismatic and likable. Like, it's like, why, God, did you give them that gift? Because I sit there and listen to Dave Ramsey. I'm like, I love him. (laughs) Years ago, when I was interviewed about Driscoll for Christianity Today, when he was at the top of his game, I said, like, the one quote they used for me in that article was, if he weren't a pastor, Mark Driscoll would have been an amazing stand-up comic. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like an insult comic. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Because he, ta- he could go up on stage and destroy anybody. And I get the impression from Ramsey that he has those similar kind of verbal skills. Like you say, he's charismatic. He's larger than life. But like, let's talk about what all these people have in common we've mentioned. Okay? Every one of these people, they... Their cult of personality and charisma ended up with them having uh, having control over a huge corporation, tons of people, and tons of money. Driscoll had it. Bill Hybels had it. Ravi Zacharias had it. Dave Ramsey has it. Carl Lenz had it. That's what they end up with. So wherever that streak of sinfulness, and I agree with Ellen, people aren't playing the long game and like, I'm going to get into ministry so that I can screw around with my church secretary 20 years from now. <laughs> like they get into it for the right reasons. And then they have these huge organizations and you hear Dave Ramsey, like all, all these people work for me and um, you know their, their livelihoods depend on me. It's about me. And Driscoll thought had the same thing and, you know, huge book contracts, huge church, Acts 29 network, you know, Hybels had the same thing. So there's something about the power that comes with these large organizations that takes whatever, you know, brokenness or sinfulness or, uh, you know, whatever you call it, whatever their Achilles heel is and just like amplifies it. I think this also might be a good, this is a side note, maybe a different topic, but I think this might be a good argument for more women in ministry because I don't think half the shit would be happening. How about if our country were run by women instead of men? My God, it would be, everything should be run by women. I completely agree with you. Please, let's give it a run. Start running stuff. Let's do it. (laughs) Oh, you guys, I used to be such a misogynist. As as Ellen holds up a glass of it's still a mystery. I guess juice since it is twelve o'clock there. Um, uh, thinking now is, that it's maybe this is a delicious local hazy IPA. All right. Well, there you go. There you um, go. You know, it's oh, go ahead, Ellen. I was just going to say something that <clears throat> I've thought about a lot with accusations and and a friend of mine who's a he's a worship pastor at a large church in Idaho. Him and I were talking about this yesterday about. Um, I had posted something about the Billy Graham rule and a marvelous episode of Ellen and a pastor friend of mine on that Billy Graham rule. Just Google Billy Graham rule. 
it's a very good discussion if I say so. Myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because it's, it's one of those things. It's sort of like, if you need it, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have it, but if you don't have it, you might need it, you right. know? Right. Um, and this woman responded, uh, to another, it wasn't to me, but she said something like, if, um, if you're capable, like, Alan, I think you, I actually have that exact tweet. Was it recent? Yeah. Yeah. But, let me, okay, while you're looking it up, I'm going to tell you a tweet I, I, I saw that said, my, my rule is I won't be alone in a hotel room with any woman who looks, who is prettier than Billy Graham. <laughs> so here is here is the tweet um so somebody basically don't be alone with a woman who is not your wife give your wife access to all text messages and email oh, install yeah. accountability software on all devices resist the devil and he will flee from you and then there's a comment anyone who can't be alone with a with women without assaulting them should not be in a position of leadership given power in the church or secular world and should never be trusted as a mature adult loving person is yeah. that the one yeah, and he responded and sort Didn't of said, that. but what about the uh, people that accuse pastors of a s- sexual assault who are lying? He said, I know two male pastors who have lost their jobs because a female accused them of sexual assault, like two different scenarios we're talking about here. Um, and later it came out that the women were lying. First of all, I was like, where is this happening? You need to remove yourself from the situation. This is like, that is so unusual. Right. Um, but I, it's, it's, it, it kind of brings back the conversation of like, who do you believe? Because in the Ravi Zacharias's situation, um, we cannot prove like a woman can never really prove that she's been sexually assaulted unless, you know, she gets, DNA test in certain, in, in a situation of like penetration rape. Um, but otherwise there's no proof. Um, and then that load bears on her, um, and the church and the power is behind and the finance, the financial power is behind the perpetrator. Um, and it, it pains me reading that Robbie Zacharias article, the first one that came out that right away, his ministry denied it. And his own daughter who runs the ministry. Right. And they denied it simply because they didn't believe it. And I really think that all of these people in power who are doing really messed up shit on a myriad of, of different uh, types of terrible shit it's their responses that we have to look at because let's think, let's Joe, you brought up Greg. If a woman um, was brave, let's talk about how much it takes for a woman to go to anyone and say, I was assaulted by a person in power, especially a spiritual person in power. Um, So when there's one, there's likely many more, but when they when they accuse their accuser, um, if the response is denial and no um, uh, investigation, that right there 
should send red flags. If Greg, for example, if a woman went to any one of, you know, let's say a woman counselor at the church or whatever, anyone that was um, approachable and said, you know, Greg, I should be using Greg, but you use Greg. Yep, um, he did this. I bet you Greg would be like, hey, not a problem. Look at my emails. Look at my texts. Look at everything. It's not a problem. It's the response in that. When these people that are, that turn around, it's sort of that Scientology feeling where it's like, no, now you are like, if you accuse me. It's gaslighting. Yeah. yeah. And so every time we see that in these situations, that should be a huge red flag. And we can see now that that happened years and years ago. Right. So we actually had proof this whole time that Robbie was doing this. And we're so surprised now because they finally did an investigation after denying all of this stuff. When really, if I believe that someone that I work for or some, and maybe it's because I've been through Marcel. So now I see through the shit. Um, Any person in, in church leadership who is preaching morality See, you talked about Bill Clinton. He was, that wasn't his job to preach morality. So I could give a shit if he cheated on his wife, right? But a church Yeah, who cares about Hillary? I get you, Ellen. Who cares about her? No, that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) But a church leader, you should see within a moment of an accusation how they respond and what they're willing to show you. And that should tell you everything. If they say, this didn't happen, you can't look at any of my stuff. Exactly. And and Tony, I know you got to bounce here in a second, but I mean, I, I would say even how they have things set up before that happens. And I, I, I'm, so I am a pastor and I, I told my staff today, and we weren't talking about this, this monkey business, but I told them because we have a lot of new staff people. And I said, look, you guys are my first level of accountability. How dare I go outside of these walls for accountability for my pastoral position when y'all are the ones working with me on a day to day and I would challenges I would challenge all pastors to. I've heard of the 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 laziest accountability. Yeah, I meet with someone once a month and you don't see them except for that once a month. So you can tell them anything you want, hide anything you want. And so I, I believe it's also how things are set up before that stuff even happens. Tony, you got any closing words? Because I know you got a heart out. Tony, do you own any spas? <laughs> because that's a red flag. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, who, who just kept letting that happen and be like, oh, it's probably, it's an Indian thing. Right. Because that's probably yeah. what it was the holistic, you know. Yeah. He wellness. owned, he owned massage, like, yeah, spas. And then what was that? You read, Joey, he had two apartments in India or something. Yep. yep. Like, what the hell? Yep. I, I, yeah. I mean, but then, you know, we found out that. We found out during that whole investigation into into Bill Hybels that he was flying around on a private jet. Right. And he right. and his whole shtick and aura was like, he's a humble servant leader, and that's the whole Willow Creek method. You know, he wasn't one of these pushy, arrogant, bossy guys. He he's just a down to earth Midwestern guy who was really, who really has good a at private le- jet and leadership. And then we find out, well, obviously down to earth you know, like jet owner. But going back to what we were talking about 45 minutes ago with Mars Hill, like there were a lot of people who knew that Bill Hybels was flying around in a private jet. They, they were not advertising that fact. Just like you guys were saying, 
there were a lot of people who knew that Driscoll was out of control for a long time before he fell. And I talked to one of them because I, you know, one of the guys who reached out to me after the Darren Patrick interview was the guy who wrote the big letter that ended up, yeah. you know, starting to pull the thread on the sweater yep. and the whole thing unraveled. And he feels, he feels terrible because he knew about it long before he wrote that letter. But, and this will not surprise you, part of the way that Driscoll kept him um, under control, under yeah. his thumb, was that this guy was having marital problems. So Driscoll insinuated himself into that relationship and like, even though there were affairs or cheating, I can't remember the details or whatever, but Driscoll was like, became the guy who was going to fix the marriage and also lorded it over them. If you leave me and my pastoral leadership, I'll have no choice but to tell people what's really going on in your private life. Right. right. So, right. Uh, you know, I know you hear about stuff like that in the abstract, but then when you hear about it, you know, specifics, it's like, holy shit. Right. That's how he kept people close. And right. that's how he kept a lid on all this stuff for so long. So, you know, the, the, the thing is, you guys, right now, there are five more Christian leaders who will fall a year from now. And there are people right now who are enabling them. Yeah. 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 And, and maybe we had a huge uh, culture shift just like the Catholic church did. And it's still going to happen for a while, but it's going to take time for us to expect more. Yep. Mm -hmm. it, what, when you bring up, bring up Mark Driscoll and it just breaks my heart because I remember so many times sitting there, you know, five rows in front of him, hearing him disregard mental health issues and talk so poorly about, I mean, I cannot tell you how many times Ellen, Ellen, it was the pussification of the American Christian church. <laughs> Remember? And he used those exact words, didn't he? Oh, that's a quote. Yeah. I, I, I'm so in I'm, I'm, He said I that about antidepressants. I go back and forth between being so embarrassed and then also angry. And I'm, it's just a very, I'll never unpack it, I don't think. But I'm so glad that I had the wherewithal to know, um, you know, like, well, he keeps making fun of gay people, but I know I'm supposed to love gay people. So I'm just going to yeah. let him run his mouth. But a lot of people didn't have that, yeah. you know? So yeah. I'm very grateful that God had his hand on me and knew, like, Ellen, you just, you know, you you stick to what you know yep. is right and true. Yep. Well, at the end of the day, and and I'm not asking anybody to take my word for it at all, especially. Well, um, you take Lee. your wife to Hooters on <laughs> Valentine's Day <laughs> for lunch. Contacts, Alan. I'm going to talk. Oh yeah, for lunch. It's not as big of a commitment to misogyny and sexism when you go there for lunch <laughs> as opposed to if you went there for drinks and dinner. Yeah, because assault only happens at night, Joe. Both of y'all go to hell, and I can say that because I don't really believe it. Uh, there is a place. I can't uh, wait to, to ask Priscilla about this, by the way. Hey, but but I'll, I'll say this: like I, I I don't expect anyone to trust the church. I, I mean, after all of this, I mean, how I, I could see so many people saying, "How how can I trust any of this stuff?" 
how do I keep my sanity is I feel like I have seen enough behind the curtain and maybe some other people in my same shoes would say the same thing about their church, but I feel like I have seen enough to be like, okay, I can be connected to this. And then when it comes to the general consensus of what people see as Christianity, I'm like, you know what? I don't think Jesus represents all this and I'm just going to do the best I can. And the tiny little world, tiny little world that God's given me. So, and keep rubbing shoulders with people like you two. I wouldn't say, you know, after this conversation, I wouldn't be talking about like rubbing anyone. Okay. Let's just don't rub anyone. No rubbing. No rubbing. Shoulders though? I'd rub your shoulders if I was with you right now. I would rub. No, I, I would wait until Cole's there. I wouldn't want any. I don't. I don't want you to rub my shoulders. But I Hell, would tell if you. Cole's there, come on. How uh, would Tony? <laughs> let me rub your shoulders. 